How about that? The music just gets better and better, club by club. And I didn't know mandolin players were in the house, like unhidden talents. I didn't know that until just now. So how about that? And uh, Joe, can you hear me now? It seems a little hot. It's hot. There we go. Um, hey, welcome, everybody. And uh, I know it's been a fun sun in the sunny day. And sometimes that might kind of wear us out a little bit. And uh, so, you know, we have to make sure that we're alive and awake for this. And so you got to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Are you ready for this? Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you sure? Okay, okay. Everybody alive, everybody awake. Here we go. Yeah. My kids, you know, we talked today about, in kind of a little review, some might have trickled in here today, which is awesome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, but we're talking about voices, voices from without, voices from within. And sometimes it's pretty cool. Like here, you probably have an experience of hearing the voices of your children, and the conversations of your children all day have been entertaining. And so you should listen to that. Listen to, you know, it's like out of the mouths of babes comes unbelievable truth. And uh, my children know different, and so I hear all kinds of messages from my kids. And, uh, you know, getting... Uh, getting along there, and, and they're like, you know, starting to realize that dad's interesting, for sure. And, um, uh, but my, I never forget this, we had the, every Saturday we have this family kind of dinner, and I'll kind of cook up a big dinner on Saturday night, and uh, so they're all, the whole family sitting around. And uh, we have this great dinner, and then we kind of have this, you know, maybe a cabin time question or something with our family. And uh, so we'll have this discussion going, and, and my son, Josh, uh, you know, from the mathematician, he goes, Dad, I got you, bud. I'm like, and so the whole family leans in. Wait, what do you mean you got me? I know you. And you are A-D-O-S. A-D-O-S? I think I got the A-D part. That's clear. <laughs> but O-S, hmm. He goes, yeah. And so big pause. The whole family's leaning in. He goes, yeah. Your attention deficit. Oh, shiny. And so every shiny object that comes along, dad's like, cool. Check this out. Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? And just so distracted, so distractible. And so it's a good label. ADOS. You could call me that. It works. And uh, kind of true, actually, in many ways. So a couple years ago, I had this sabbatical, which we were given. It's just a gift from our mission. And we got kind of three months after working a zillion hours and running after kids. We got a thing called sabbatical, so a kind of a three-month siesta. And, uh, and so on this sabbatical, I decided in my ADOSness to collect selfies with wildlife. Now, I would not recommend this, and the DNR actually forbids it. However, it was such an entertaining and wonderful time. And for instance, here's some, here's some selfies with wildlife, Joe. Oh yes, that's an iguana over there in the, some wonderful island over there. Do you see it? It's kind of in the shadows. So. Yeah, and they would whip you. Oh, that's the pelican, yes, the selfies with pelicans. And, uh, oh, yeah, that, I was almost out of the car there, so I actually wouldn't recommend getting too close to that. That could be lethal, so, but, uh, oh, yeah, the, and, the, of course, the, uh, that was uh, at Cabela's. <laughs> so, 
Oh, I caught that guy. How about that? Selfies with wildlife. Notice the twin shirt. I'm a big fan. Oh, and yes. Now, look at this. Now, I would not recommend this. However, true story. Here we go. So uh, my son said, Dad, will you take us to the Boundary Waters to go canoe the Boundary Waters? I'm like, sure. Yeah, I have a couple friends, and I have these great folks up there that will outfit us, and we have this kind of uh, wilderness experience up there. And so, yeah, Brad, come on up. So we, me and his friends and I'll get up there in uh, Ely, and we know all these people at this camp. It's way more rustic than this. I mean, just rustic. And, uh, but they outfit you, you know, and the camp directors, good buddies, and all these wilderness guides, they're all kind of young lifers from the mission. And so it's just this homecoming that would come in, and it's, Brad, you're, hey, it's good to see your family, and oh, that's great. And so we have dinner, and we get all ready for this trip, and uh, they give us this kind of lodge that was like this, you know, it's just like had these rafters, and it was just this really rustic, rustic with no basement, just, you know, on poles, really. And, uh, and so we, we, I'd go off, kick around, and go to the, you know, and brush my teeth and, and come back. And, and the, boy, the, the boys in our, my cabin, the, Matthew and his friends, they are sound asleep, like gone, you know? And, uh, and so I'm like, wow, interesting. Man, they must have been tired. And I'm just wired, you know. It's like, this is awesome. And, uh, and so we're sitting there and, and go to sleep. And, uh, and, and, you know, 15 minutes later, underneath this cabin, I hear this. And it just starts getting worse. Like, and then it's this whatever's happening there's this wild other animal that's screaming and this bear-like thing's going and I'm watching these sons of mine and their friends they're just asleep I'm like what the heck they have earplugs in and so and so I'm like wow this is what I'm I'm really really scared right now. And this is, we're in the wilderness. And so I called the camp director who is Grizzly Adams on steroids. He just is a wild, wild wilderness man. And so I trust him. So he comes and I said, Mike, there is a wildlife homicide happening under my cabin right now. <laughs> and so, so he's like, so he, I'll, I'll be right there, Brad. So he comes running over and he's got this like phone flashlight and he comes up to our cabin and it's like down the sidewalk, you know? And, uh, and so he goes, and, and so he's right there. And I'm on the front porch. And meanwhile, there is just chaos going underneath our cabin, like. And Mike, and so, but it kind of quieted down just a little bit right then. And so he goes, he takes his flashlight and he shines it underneath my cabin, you know? And I mean, I don't know what happened to my brains at this point, but he goes, Brad, you got to come check this out. <laughs> I'm like, I trust you, I think. And so I go down there, and he starts getting closer like this. And all of a sudden, this bear just rockets right out from underneath, going, Rawr! and then he lifts up his head, 
And it's one of the summer staff underneath this thing. And I'm like, wah, 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 wah. I run up the stairs. I was just freaking out. And they got me. I mean, they got me. And it turns out that I pranked one of our staff down in the cities at another event with a snake. And this person decides to cut the revenge on me and set the whole thing up. And so they had that, that, that bear right there is actually a carpet that was in the lodge, of course. <laughs> and they dressed it up. And the, the kicker was they had this like wild animal distress call on a recording that was like literally like a, an animal being wiped out. And so they, I mean, they orchestrated this thing. And I have probably never been more scared in my entire life. Often, there are voices in the context of our world that could scare us to death, that could be so overwhelming. And fear is an extremely loud voice in the context of our world. Um, and we do probably are involved with, understand, uh, folks and families and prayers for people that are just in distress. Uh, we hear and certainly read things and see things that are horrific in our world, in context of culture. There are things as we think about raising our families that probably just really scare us to, you know, like really frighten us. And fear can be the most paralyzing, most incredibly difficult thing to consider the voices of fear, the voices of concern, the voices of things to be worried about. And uh, it's interesting if we consider um, all the things that we could be afraid of. And I'm gonna kind of do something unique here. And I, I, I've done this in speaking, and so this is kind of like over here we're talking about uh, you know, God and Jesus and things, but periodically, I, I over, this is like the lecture over here, but I'm just going to take us over here for a moment into Bradley's lab. And here's Bradley's lab. That's, I, I want to kind of over here maybe impart a few things that would be interesting to consider. Uh, impart a few things that would be maybe help us cope with some of these things in inside our brains or outside of our control or in context of our culture or the messages and voices that we hear that might really concern us. And so fear is a real thing. And I, I read the greatest, this greatest book, and of course, Brad, people say when I say this title, it's like, well, of course you'd read this, Brad, because I'm a fairly positive person. And they go, and it's called How to Have a Great Day, The Scientific Way to Have a Great Day. And it's actually an extremely good book, empirically, objectively uh, scienced and researched. Um, but how to have a great day, this, uh, she argues that our brain is in two different things. We have what's called the analog side. And the analog side is going in high-speed Wi-Fi internet. It's just moving all the time. And it is kind of our primitive side that is the side that says, fight, 
be afraid, freak out, freeze. It's the voices that are going a thousand minutes a mile that are saying, it's not going to be okay. It's the survival side of our brain. It's the side that says, truly there is an enemy coming and we should do something about it because it's creating all kinds of chemicals and things going on inside your body that are causing you to fight, flight, freeze, or freak. That's the analog side of your brain. That's the way God made us. That's how we survive. But then there's the other side of your brain. It's the deliberative side of your brain. And the deliberative side of your brain is a landline compared to high Wi-Fi. It moves really slow. And it's the place of tranquility, of creativity, of amazing inspiration, goal setting, uh, it's a place where you start visioning where your life could be and could go. And really, it's a peaceful, peaceful place. My brother-in-law had a stroke and lost a lot of the left side of his brain that was the analog side. And he's a very peaceful and tranquil person. Really, really bad deal. I mean, just really tough. And yet, he's on the deliberative side. So he's a really peaceful very, very uh, chill person, interestingly so. And so it's weird to think about what happens inside your brain and then what are what we call building a wall to maybe have some coping mechanisms from the analog side that's always raging, going, I could have, I should have, I'm afraid, I'm freaking out, there's bears underneath the basement, wah, you know. And the wall of defense would be a coping mechanism, a blocker, if you will, that allows you to get to the tranquil, peaceful side. Interestingly so, that's a place, and you know, God even says this in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. Well, that's the place to be still. It's the meditative side. It's the side where monks actually get to because they're so chill and so quiet that they're spending a lot of time over here. It recreates you. It helps you. It encourages you. So that's the science brain lab over here. And now, back to the story. And so today we talked about Jesus, God in a bod, 100% God, 100% human. And it is weird to think about this person, Jesus, and when we think about him, it's awesome to see what, how he dealt with people and how he proved so many times over and over that he actually was divine, that he actually was this amazing person. He loved people. He healed people. He fed people. He had compassion. He had love. It always says, and compassion from his heart came upon these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion, which really means in the Greek, I love them with my guts. I mean, he loved people passionately. And it's interesting when he, uh, in his ministry, and early on in Mark, he uh, gets into this uh, place, and it's, it's, 
you know, Jesus was a lake guy. I mean, he didn't go into, like, basically the Twin Cities in, in Jerusalem. Oh, no. He liked Capernaum. He liked Alexandria versus the Twin Cities. I'm not kidding, because he put his headquarters right on a lake. He loved lakes. He's a lake guy. And uh, just like this, I don't, what's not to love, right? And, uh, and so Jesus, uh, it says this, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And I've never actually been to the Sea of Galilee, but I understand it's much like this. Right west of here is the flattest place on the earth. And here, storms can roll in fairly quickly. Same with the Sea of Galilee. So they're out in these boats. It's kind of cool, like this picture right here. Yeah, this is that picture, you know. And all of a sudden, a storm kicked up. All of a sudden, it was chaos. All of a sudden, it was out of control. And a fun little experiment we're going to try right now, and we're actually going to create a storm, okay? Check this out. So right here is group one. You are group one. You got it. You're over that way. <laughs> okay. Group one. Everybody here to about right here. You're group two. Okay. And from here over, you're group three. We're going to create the storm and it's going to wash over us. And listen to this. Group one's going to start like this. And you just follow my lead and it will cascade right across you. So here's the beginning of our storm. Are you ready? Put your hands together. An awesome storm in Alexandria happened. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> and it was just like that. All of a sudden, there was a storm upon them. And it, it goes, the story goes on. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And 
I imagine that people were freaking out. I mean, if you imagine out on this lake, and we all had boats and canoes and everything going out today, imagine waves coming over. Imagine the boat just filling. Imagine what the sailors, these guys were experts at sailing. They're fishermen, professional boats people. And they're just like, and the most interesting thing happens. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. That is the strangest thing. Jesus, 100% human, 100% God. It's interesting to consider, why, Jesus, are you asleep? Many theories, oh, he was just exhausted. He just fed a bunch of people. He just healed a bunch of people. He was going 100 miles an hour. He was exhausted. Could be. Or was it, I'm the God of the universe. I am so aware of my identity and so aware of the control I actually have on the situation. He was in his deliberative side of his brain saying, I'm just going to sleep. So he's asleep in the midst of this giant hurricane-like storm. And so... This is the disciples, and I think this is an understatement, exclamation point in the Bible here. It says, teacher, don't you care that we are about to perish? Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care about the storms that are going on all around us? And I think that's the grandest question of what, what as asked of us even today and tonight. And we might be asking that of God. God, don't you care? Don't you care about what's going on? Don't you care about some of the tragedies that we're discovering? Don't you care about people that are suffering from this, that, and the other? Don't you care about the storms that we might be facing? Don't you care? And I know each one of you probably has one, two, or three really large storms brewing in our lives. It might be a health storm. It might be a vocational storm. It might be a family storm. It might be some chaos going. It might be uh, what's going on in the context of culture or what's going on, and you always hear this news that comes, and it's a storm, and it causes us to be really afraid, really worrisome, very concerned. And especially when we look at our little ones that are here, our kids, our family, and we'll do anything to make sure that we go through the storms. And yet sometimes, and just like this, the storms are uncontrollable. Storms will come, they just will. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and it's just funny, he just snapped. And I imagine he just jumped up. And he said to the sea, now this is interesting, how did this work? He gets on the edge of the bow, 
And he goes, he just starts yelling at the sea, just like this. And he said, be still. Be still. And the winds, just like our storm, ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said, I think the, one of the grander questions in Scripture, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And I think that's the great question. It's actually Jesus saying, get over to the deliberative side where it's still. I do have the power to calm storms. I do have the power being all divine and all human to say to this storm, be still. Why are you so afraid? Every time God shows up in the Bible in angel form or Jesus form or God form, and they say this, and I haven't really counted this, 365 times in the Bible, which is one for every day. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's got this. Can we trust God? And he asked the same question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And they were filled with great fear. That's interesting. <laughs> so they see this whole calm storm, and then they're, they're filled. And it wasn't for fear of the storm anymore. They were afraid because, whoa, who is this guy? Who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? And no matter where we're at, in context of life, in the context of this journey, in the context of thinking about who this Jesus cat is, it's wonderful to consider this question. Who is this guy that even the winds and the waves? And would we consider the storms going on in our life, the things going on with us, would we consider what it looks like? He says, where's your faith? Eh, seems like a press, but that's okay. The journey of wrestling with, who is this? Can he have the power to conquer my storms, to help us through in this journey? Does he have can we trust him? And so that is a, a great and wonderful question. And we have the chance to get in our groups again after a break and coffee and, and stations and all and uh, come back together. But that's such a great question. And I, there's other questions that we could consider together. But I'm so encouraged by you all to really dive into this and break this down together like share in the context of storms or fears. Share in some of the things that we might be going through uh, to support of each other, but then also to consider, who is this guy? That even the winds and the waves and the storms in our lives can be overcome. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Thank you for the souls in this room. Thank you, uh, and show us and help us understand the storms that we might be going through and help us to be real about those things. And Lord, uh, we pray that we would look at you and consider your spirit and your power 
that you have made us in your image and that you have created us for in this colossal journey called life, and there's going to be storms, Lord. And so, Lord, thanks for this group and help us process together. Thanks for the energy, the love, and the dear friends of all of us together. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you, gang. And off to your, yep, Pete.